Hi Anthony, you've released a new analysis this week that suggests that the conditions that create terrorists are worse now than they were before 9-11. Can you start by telling us about the conflict in Syria and why it might be creating those kinds of conditions? So over the last three years there's been a conflict in Syria uh, as a result of an uprising against the regime of um, President Bashar al-Assad. Um, this uprising involves Syrians and, and a broad spectrum of uh, Syrian society, both um, Islamists, secular opposition groups. But the Syrian conflict has also become a magnet for um, jihadist groups uh, and extremist groups around the world. I mean, you have, uh, according to James Clapper, the Director of National Intelligence of the United States Government, you have over 50 different countries represented today in Syria amongst the extremist groups, amongst uh, fighting uh, in, the, in the conflict against the Syrian regime. You also have, you have some 7,000 um, foreign fighters in the country now. Uh, and so it's become a major hub for jihadist activism. And why this is dangerous is because it um, provides some of these groups with the opportunity um, to regain some of the military and some of the uh, some of the military skills and some of the linkages that they once had when they were um, based in Afghanistan. And one of the great successes of the war on terror was over a period of, uh, of a decade, um, the linkages of these groups um, with each other internationally were broken down and uh, their kind of technical proficiency, their ability to make bombs, um, um, to use weapons, um, was lost as many of their more experienced members were arrested or were killed. Um, what's happening now in Syria is Syria's become this training ground for a new generation of extremists. Following the Arab Springs, there was a lot of optimism regarding the direction that Egypt was headed in. What has happened there in the last few years, and why is jihadism a growing concern there? Egypt's a different situation than Syria, of course. In Egypt, you also had an uprising, a largely peaceful uprising, which overthrew the regime of um, former President Hosni Mubarak. And over the last three years, you've seen um, various attempts at a democratic transition in Egypt, um, some successful, some not successful. You had parliamentary and then presidential elections, and then presidential elections, you saw the election of a president from the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, Mohamed Morsi. Then, in the middle of last year, as a result of both growing popular discontent with the president, but also um, the kind of military and the old regime's discontent with the Muslim Brotherhood being in power, um, there was a military coup against the president. And really, in that la in, it's in this period since, since the middle of last year where you've seen a massive crackdown on the Brotherhood. Now, what's happening is that that's creating a very um, febrile atmosphere and an atmosphere that um, jihadists uh, and extremists can exploit. And they do it in one of two ways. One, you're seeing a kind of a radicalization amongst the younger members of the Brotherhood who are caught in this conflict um, with the military. And two, you are um, seeing um, ex extremist groups that are already oper operating in Egypt principally in Sinai, where there's been an ongoing insurgency for the last three years, now trying to, sp to spread some of their attacks into, um, into other parts of Egypt, trying to exploit this kind of situation, both as a way to attract new followers, but also to kind of contribute to the kind of general chaos and, and the effort to um, dislodge the military power. How has Obama's reluctance to enter American forces into these conflicts had an impact on the emergence of these extremist groups? So, you know, after over, over a decade now of um, deep American involvement, 
uh, fighting two wars in the region. Uh, America um, is materially, financially, in many ways exhausted. And as a result of that, the Obama administration is recalibrating the American posture in the region. They're not withdrawing from the region, but the administration is setting very clear limits about what the US will and won't do in the region, particularly when it comes to kind of you know, launching further military interventions. Obama wants to be the president that got America out of wars in the Middle East, not entered into new ones. One of the consequences of that is that it's prompted a bit of a power struggle uh, amongst regional states who sense this kind of vacuum that the US is pulling back slightly from the region. Um, this involves a number of states, but particularly it involves states like Saudi Arabia and Iran, um, who are competitors in the region. So in Syria, for example, the Saudis are backing opposition groups, uh, and whilst the Iranian regime backs um, the regime of Bashar al-Assad. The problem with that is that these, this competition is exacerbating these conflicts, it's, it's prolonging those conflicts, but it's also through the support that, the Sa that Saudi Arabia and other Gulf states provide to some of these opposition groups, um, also providing money and training uh, and weapons to, to groups that might end up use that, using that money and training uh, for terrorist purposes in the future. In, um, we've seen this in the past where you know, um, money was pumped by conservative Arab states into um, um, Mujahid, the Mujahideen in Afghanistan, particularly foreign fighters. Um, once the uh, Afghan conflict, this was the Afghan conflict against the Soviets in the 80s and the 90s, once that conflict was over, uh, these countries lost interest in these groups and these groups ended up, or some of these groups ended up um, folding themselves uh, into Al-Qaeda. So that regional competition is also dangerous in, in that ex it exacerbates, it makes worse the conditions um, that, that create the conditions for the emergence of, of these groups. Why should Australians be concerned about the emergence of these new radical groups and what can the Australian government do in response? Our immediate concern is obviously with um, those Australian citizens that have gone to fight in Syria. Um, you know, according to press reports, there's somewhere between 120 and 150 of those. I think that's probably a conservative figure. I think there are probably more than that. Um, um, the concern is that these guys will go uh, to Syria. They'll form connections um, with other uh, international extremist groups. They'll get training in bomb making and they'll bring those skills and those connections back to Australia. It's not going to happen in every case. Um, some of these Australians may be going to fight with non-extremist groups, with, non, with secular groups, with non-jihadist uh, um, groups in Syria. Uh, it may be even those that fight with jihadist groups come back and, and are not interested in you know, continuing um, to have connections with those groups. But there has to be a concern that with such a large number, some small proportion will come back with you know, radicalised with those uh, connections. But we also need to be focused uh, on the region much more broadly because what we're seeing in the region today are conditions that in many ways are worse than the conditions um, prior to 9-11 in terms of, of you know, the creating and sustaining um, um, jihadist groups and the extremist threat. Um, so even though the direct threat to Australia in other parts of the region, in, in, given what's happening in other parts of the region, might not be evident right now, we need to keep an eye on that so that you can get ahead of the threat in the future. There are Indonesians going to Syria as well. And the concern there is, and the concern also um, uh, held by the Indonesian government, is that you know, these Indonesians too will also come back to Indonesia with new um, military skills and extremist connections. And that will, um, you know, w that will again, once again, feed into the terrorist threat that 
Indonesia has faced there in the past and Australia has faced there in the past. Australians have been targeted in Indonesia. So what I'm recommending in the paper is that the government needs some mechanism to, f to, keep its, to keep its focus on the region, to keep a weather eye on developers, not just in Syria, but in the broader region. Um, you know, the mechanism I kind of suggest is to appoint some kind of special coordinator or some kind of special envoy for the region. And the idea really is not to throw you know, huge amounts of money or resources, but really a mechanism that allows the government to kind of keep an eye on the region even as uh, it shifts uh, or, or refocuses attention on, on the, the, you know, the massive strategic developments that are occurring in East Asia and Indo-Pacific. Anthony, thank you very much for speaking with me. It's a pleasure.